0: So we're on air with Bob Smith of 60Skills, and today we're going to be discussing the master course, the curriculum, the how, the what, the where, the why. We'll be going into this in great detail. Welcome, Bob.
1: Welcome, Jake. Glad glad to be here. Glad that you're having me. And uh, let's get started talking about the master course. Uh, what do you want to know?
0: First thing I want to know is the story. How did it come to be? Why are you, it, When... um. I've seen you, you know, in all these wonderful locations on, on different sites, and I've also seen like how detailed your your master course is. Like, there's just hundreds of videos and step by step detailed instructions. I've never seen an instructor speak so thoughtfully and and precisely and with an engineering take. So I'm really curious about that.
1: Sure. Um, first of all, I I appreciate the praise. Um, originally, this. I tried to build an app, meditation app, and it was going to be a really low cost offering so everybody in the world could have access to it. Um, and it turns out people liked long form discussion better. So the app totally bombed. Uh, the material is available on my Patreon account these days. It consists of a little over 120 videos. But what I found was I started recording this long form content, hour long blocks, basically on each about these 60 different techniques and people preferred that. So I thought, okay, let's, uh, don't be lazy here. Let's put this together into a comprehensive thing. And that's where the master course came from. It basically, I'm a weirdo. All right. And that I've got degrees in medicine, engineering, and history. And so, as an esoteric practitioner, this, along with a lot of military training, allowed me to take individual techniques, break them down into their constituent parts, and then explain them in the most simple and easy-to-understand manner possible. And this is hard, because English is not a great language for esoterics, (laughs) A lot of the words that we need um, are either out of common use or don't exist. So the first half of what I did basically consisted of giving people a vocabulary. This is a phenomenon. This is how we define it. This is what you can do with it. And I did that. um, And a lot of this came from training in person with Mark Rasmus for extended periods of time. And Mark's a fantastic man and he's got a great, Vimeo program, particularly for interested in the martial arts application and this stuff. But he does most of his training in person. So I said, okay, if you're someone who can't afford to take six weeks, a month, six months off at a time, but you're disciplined and you're willing to practice on your own, how can I come up with something that allows them to do that and have a community of people to ask questions to? And so that's how the master course kind of happened. So the training in the course is basically broken down into 10 steps, total of about 60 some odd techniques. And it's a living course that grows every once in a while, so I find better ways of doing things. Uh, And I broke it down into physical body training, sensory training, or what some people call astral and mental level training. And the reason for doing this is pretty interesting. Um, in Hermetics, as I teach it, and as I learned it, you have five levels of reality, right? you got the physical material, your toe, tapping the floor. Yep. You've got the astral or sensory, your emotions, sight, sound, vision, visualization, taste, touch. You've got the mental level of existence, which is not bound by physical constraints. So it's the realm of ideas, taxes, you know, music, this kind of thing, things that there is no physical representation for what that idea is. Ninety percent of the training in the course centers on those three things, because as human beings, these are three states of reality that we engage with all day long. You know, I stub my toe, it hurts. I see my child, ah, I love my child. It's yeah. sensation of love. Or, oh man, I got to figure out how to pay my taxes. Okay. The other two levels of existence, the level of the void, or what some people call Akasha, that divine emptiness out of which everything springs. In the non-dual light stage, or that stage of Godhead, divinity, nirvana, the true Tao, whatever you want to call it, people do actually experience from time to time. I mean, most people, if you get them in the right place, they're really calm. No one else is looking. No recording devices are on. They'll usually admit to having encountered those things at one time or another. The problem is those encounters are so rare that doing it upon command or doing it intentionally is really difficult. it just happens by accident. So by training the physical, the astral, and the mental, we can learn how to work with that state of void or Akasha and non-dual light. And that's basically what the curriculum does.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And making that an opportunity for people to do at home, instead of having to head off to the monastery for 18 months, being able to access non-dual light, Akasha, and and have mastery over the the, the vital, the astral, the mental.
1: Yeah, uh, what I found as a practical matter, if you can practice 2 hours a day, you can definitely have that non-dualite experience sometime in the first 18 months. I had one extraordinary individual do it in like 6 weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um but again, you need the time to do it. You know, so what I tell most people is do it first thing in the morning or do it at the end of the day, but that 120 minutes of practice time is yours. And you just, you make it a priority, even if you don't feel good, even if you don't feel well, you just get up and do it. And the people who have had the discipline to do that have done really well. Uh, again, things that took me 30 years because I didn't understand what I was doing or the instruction just wasn't very clear. I've seen people master in a matter of of weeks and months. It's, it truly amazes me every time. And even, you know, for a while I was working with Udemy, I don't work with them anymore. I would have people chime in at least once or twice a month who I've never met, never had an email correspondence with, say, hey, this, this, and this happened. Is that non-dual light? And I'm like, yep, that's it. And again, never heard from them again. So if you take a methodology-based approach, things work. And my suspicion is that that's because we're just engaging reality. So much like the engineering that makes your car or the science that's responsible for, you know, this LED flashlight working. When you know the methods and you know how to apply it, it's really not that hard. That said, we're dealing with some phenomena that we can't measure very well. So, you know, it's kind of hard to explain to people who aren't very open minded how all that
0: works. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult to explain energy phenomena to folks who either have not experienced it or who are not already sensitive or have an inclination to be interested in any type of internal martial arts, spiritual practice. Yeah, I find that uh, I find that some some of the language is transferable. Like if people are Christians or they're Muslims, they're Judaic. Or they're from like any Vedic systems of belief that there is a lot of transference when speaking about speaking in their language. Um, some of them who are practitioners who or do take their faith and spirituality seriously, um, they definitely find parallels and they're able and open to feel um, energy.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean,
0: when you look at religions in general, um,
1: they're mostly an explanation for another person's esoteric experience. And this is important. Listen, most people, if you're healthy and you're happy and you're making a good living and you've got a wonderful family, you've got no desire to get involved with this stuff. I mean, as much as I would like to run into a student who said, I got into magic and meditation because I wanted to meet God, never happened. It's always been, I had a problem. Conventional science couldn't provide me an answer to this, usually health-related, by the way. And so I started pursuing these other things, and then these things happened, and now I'm really interested in learning how to do this. The thing about religion is, and where a lot of esoteric practitioners take what I view as an immature view of religion, is that, listen, without religion, most people act like animals. Religion gives people rules to live by that work, who aren't going to go do all this other stuff that we do. Mm. Keep in mind, this is a good thing. You know, listen, the world needs neurosurgeons. The world needs businessmen that build billion-dollar empires that create automobiles. Absolutely. The world needs good accountants. And there is a time cost, an opportunity cost associated with everything. So if you're going to spend four hours a day working on hermetics or even two hours a day working on meditation, well, listen, that's two hours a day you don't have to spend on other things. So you better have an important reason for doing what you're doing, and entertainment probably shouldn't be on the list. And so for everybody else who is, you know, being our doctors or our accountants or our policemen or our engineers or the businessmen that make sure you can buy groceries at the grocery store. Hey man, they're doing what they need to do. And you know, so religion for people in that position is great. It affords you a little bit of protection from the esoteric world, gives you some rules to live by, gives you a sense of community, gives you other people to associate with. Um, now, the nice thing about the way I teach and like Mark Rasmus and the way you teach, a few of our other friends do is it's largely bereft of a religious nexus. You know, it's very engineering-based. You do this, and then this happens. Um, so anybody can practice my system, your system, Mark's system, because it's not exclusive in that regard. That is not true of all systems. Listen, the work I'm doing with the Sephiroth these days... Clearly, people in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community have done this work, mm. but I am not ultra-Orthodox myself. I don't speak, read, or write Hebrew. I can't wander into one of their bookstores and go, hey, I want to buy some books on Kabbalah. That's not accessible to me as an individual. Mm. And in general, those more uh, ethnocentric or religious-centric groups don't want to talk to people outside you know, their particular realm of practice. You also see this with a lot of really amazing forms of shamanism. Mm. If you're not born into a specific ethnocentric group, and oh, by the way, part of the people in that group who were chosen to do this kind of work, it may simply not be accessible to you. Um, And again, that's not good or bad. It's just the way human beings interact with these things. Uh, uh, Hermetics, again, as I teach it, anybody can do who's willing to give it the prerequisite amount of effort yeah yeah,
0: that sounds great and then do you find that like how do you make all these really complex concepts that people traditionally have needed entire religious frameworks to be able to understand how do you how do you provide these really complicated frameworks and make them completely accessible to the everyday person who is interested willing and able to make the commitments to the practice and to understanding
1: I, uh, as a young man, earned a scholarship to an engineering school. Mm-hmm. I am a terrible engineer. I was horrible about, horrible at it. I didn't get anything higher than a C plus in four years of studying. However, <laughs> uh, the school beat a certain discipline into me regarding process management: how to take a complex task, break it down into many smaller pieces, and then create an A to B process for each one of those smaller steps that link together to generate this end thing. Uh, My time in the military has well helped because when you join the military, there's this continual movement of new people into the system and old people out of the system. So the second you become competent at something, you're required to teach the new guy how to do it yourself. So between that engineering background and being forced into learning how to teach people how to do things, even if I wasn't officially an instructor, made it work for me. Um, You know, and Mark Rasmus was instrumental in understanding this because Mark's big on defining things. This is vital. This is astral. This is mental. And that was the first time I'd really run into that. I mean, with a lot of my traditional teachers, the way it would work is they'd show you a technique and then say, go practice and come back to me when something happens. So how to figure out how that integrates into other things or what it's supposed to do was really difficult. As a practical matter, what I found is that most people who go to learn esoterics fall into one of three categories. They're the people who can't do it at all. So they get filtered out pretty quick. It's the guy who goes off to monastery and ends up becoming, you know, a cook or a carpenter. All right. No talent. We got stuff for you to do. Go do this. Second category, which is category I fell into, are people with a high degree of clear sentience or subtle sense of touch. They can feel the energy and they can work with the energy. But they're not the most gifted group. That's the third group of people. The third group of people are either natural or easily trained clairvoyance and clairaudience. They can see the energy, they can see the spirits, they can communicate with them because they can hear the voices. So what ends up happening is people in that second group, like me, get taught a fair amount but eventually they get cut off Mm. because the clairvoyance didn't really develop with me on its own or did the clairaudience. So at a certain point when I needed more guidance and my teacher couldn't give it to me, the entities couldn't communicate with me either. Mm. So at that point, you're out. And that probably makes up the majority of long-term practitioners. You have this tiny group of people on the other end who are natural clairvoyants and clairaudience. Um, I've noticed a nasty tendency of that to come through various forms of head trauma or brain damage. Um and there's definitely a high likelihood of schizophrenia with those people over time. Yeah. But some people make it through that process okay. So a guy like Franz Barden, for example, was a naturally gifted clairvoyant and clairaudient. There are a lot of other theories regarding what he was. I can't comment on that, but those two things very true. As were many of my teachers. So for those people, they can communicate with those non-physical entities and those non-physical entities could give Instruction and explanation regarding why you're doing a certain technique and how it fits together with other things. Uh, with me, I didn't have the benefit of that early on, so I had to do it the hard way. So I kind of refer to myself as the Phil Knight of Hermetics.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, Jordan wouldn't exist without Phil Knight, but Phil Knight, much like me, was just barely good enough a player to make it into the pros. Yeah. So, you know, I was. I I barely fit into that area in terms of natural ability of somebody who's good at doing hermetics. Luckily, I'm pretty good at teaching it. So, uh, you know, it's many of my students are far better than me. We'll see if any of them go on to to, to teach full time. But uh, it's always curious uh, when, you know, we talk about how long it took to do something. I'm like, yeah, well, the little bit of clairvoyance I had took, you know, 15 years to develop and You got it in six months. (laughs) Good for you. Um, So, yeah. So that's a long-winded way of stating that's the trouble with how this stuff is traditionally taught.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then what are some, like, uh, real practical applications of the ways that your students who have gone through this process, of they've gone through the 18-month curriculum and whatever time it took them, and how are they using it for managing stress, enhancing personal strength, developing spiritual insights, or, or going into more advanced practices like Kabbalah?
1: Sure. Um, the easy ones are people who are into athletics, martial arts, and esoteric healing. Yeah, you know, that's super easy to do with all this kind of stuff. The body training makes you very strong, greatly increases neurological response. You're going to get better at sports and martial arts. mm Working with the energetic aspects of it, you're going to be a much better healer if you're into energetic healing. Okay, those are two very old, very easy things to understand. But what always surprises me is the use cases my students end up finding for things. Mm. So information is readily accessible from the spirit worlds if you know where to look and you know how to do it. So my students run the gambit. Wrong. You know, I got one gentleman who uh, works in bank security at a very high level, a couple of engineers, uh, several business people. And generally speaking, what these practices do is they give them the next step. They give them about a 10-year lead on what's common in industry. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is... Anything beyond 10 years becomes very difficult to manifest physically because either the technology is not available or it's super expensive or really hard to do. So, for example, all the things you needed to make a microwave oven have been around since the late 1930s. But if you tried to build a microwave oven in the 1940s, it was this huge industrial process, super expensive but you fast forward to the 1980s, power supplies, the materials, the availability, the engineering was all there. And now you fast forward to, you know, 2022 and you can't even give a microwave other away. Right. So that's what I explain about a lot of this stuff is that when you go to the astral, the element of time doesn't exist. So in theory, anyway, anything that's ever happened, anything that will ever happen is already there. But if you don't have the materials and the technology necessary to manifest something, it's just a neat science fiction movie. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what i found most interesting. Now, also keep in mind, manifesting things takes physical work, and there's absolutely no getting out of that. So, you know, there's the running joke in Hermetics that uh, a homeless guy in a street corner works the most amazing Jupiter- money ritual on the face of the planet yeah and he finds a wallet with 300 bucks in it yes that's how much pipeline or physical work has been done for him to make money yeah on the other hand i've had several students tell me that you know they started working with the letter g or jupiter and within months their business life transformed Mm. Because they started making all these connections, they had these chance meetings, they went and gave a presentation that went really well, and then they're off to the races. But these are people who have done a lot of work over a really long period of time. It was just that extra little boop that kind of pushed them over the finish line. And listen, you do that over and over and over again, that's profound. You know, Two years later, you're looking at where you're at then versus where you were two years ago and it's a totally different place but the issue the issue of you have to give the spirits the entities the energy a mechanism of expression mm. and that takes work and you know even on the physical end like the martial arts uh athletic end yeah yeah if you use the right techniques you're going to radically increase your progress in weightlifting. Fine. But you still have to go lift the weights. L- there's no magical formula I can give anybody where I drop it on them. They walk into the gym untrained and they squat, you know, 200 kilos on the first day. Not going to happen. On the other hand, you know, I met one individual who learned Kabbalah on his own, let it work with the letter D a lot. And he transformed himself from a guy who was sitting on the bench in high school to a Division One wrestling champion in about three years. Wow. I mean, this was a guy with no natural ability at all by his own admission. Yeah. But after three years of doing this, he had what most people would call natural ability. Right. Because he was forcing his body to do something that it wasn't designed to do, he had to pay for that later on. Hmm. But if you're talking about something like business, right? You're running, I don't know, an Airbnb.
0: Yeah.
1: Working a lot of letter G, working a lot with Jupiter is going to get you more clients. Over time, maybe you buy another residence, another facility. Then three, four, five years later, you're killing it. But you've done a lot of work in those five years. This stuff just gave you a little extra opportunity, chance meetings, good loan values, whatever. Than most people uh, wouldn't get.
0: Yeah, yeah, just increases the energy of the of the pipeline. Like you, we all have a natural river channel, and this just helps more energy flow. It can't. It doesn't. It doesn't double or triple the width of the channel or the amount of volume of water that can press forward. It just. It just. It just opens the floodgates more. So, like the like a, like more energy could can, can pour through. And also keep in mind,
1: this is highly contingent upon the industry you're in. All right, listen, mm. hermetics not a good way to make a living. I'm here to tell you. If I had, as my teacher Mark Rasmus strongly encouraged me to do, pursued Tai Chi on the other hand, and then back ended hermetics into that, I've had an audience. I'd have an audience ten times the size it is today, right? Easily. Now, if you want to go into finance and you learn all the different skills associated with making good trades. And again, that's a mechanic and that takes time to learn. You can't cheat that. You got to know a lot of math too. Yeah. But you study hermetics as well. Okay. Maybe you win on your trades 65% 65% of the time instead of 55%. Mm. Over a 10-year period, that's yeah. a pretty big difference. So again, it's not, none of this is a cheat code for not doing work mm. and what you're going to get out of something has a lot to do with what's available in that environment. So I'm not encouraging everybody to go out to become a day trader, <laughs> but keep in mind that the rewards, whether personal, financial, cultural societal wise involving status have a lot to do with what we choose to do and can easily be capped no matter how much effort you put into it if you choose to do something that not many people care about i mean listen getting an audience of 20 to forty thousand people as a tai chi teacher over a five-year period easily doable if you know what you're doing
0: yeah
1: it's not going to get much bigger than that because tai chi is just Not that important in Western societies. On the other hand, you know, if you're into, I don't know, building race car engines, Mm -hmm. you can easily build a YouTube channel on that that has millions of viewers because lots of young men are interested in
0: how to build race car engines.
1: Yeah. That's all it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you have any parting words for, for folks who may be interested in you know, pursuing a magical or spiritual system like the master class and going to the 60 skills curriculum?
1: Sure. Uh, you can go to 60 skills.com. Although the coursework is all hosted by Perseus Arcane Academy. Look at that. Um, Jake, you've got a wonderful program on uh, spirit magic as well. Uh, there's always Mark Rasmus's extensive video vault for martial arts. As a young man, he was a phenomenal practitioner in complete terror. Sadly, he missed uh, MMA stardom by about a decade. Really really wasn't a thing until about 10 years after he was out of his competitive run. But mm-hmm. all the materials on how to do that are there. In addition, if you're interested in long stay, Mark Rasmus is the man. You host people for months at a time. So and those are the places that I would look in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking for something more specific, you know, like, hey, I just want to do hands-on healing, and I want to be a kick-ass traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. Uh, Lin Hai, over at sacredjourneys.org, teaches the Urmai Sudden Enlightenment School, Buddha's Diamond Palm System. Amazing. You know, if you want to smash coconuts and bricks with your hands really hard without hurting yourself, my good friend Dale Dugas has some wonderful materials on that, D-U-G-A-S. Um trying to think who else I would recommend off the top. Oh, alchemy. interested in alchemy. Robert Bartlett. Obviously the name to look up. He has, uh, both video and in-person instruction periodically. You know, those are all people who are better at the basics, sorry, who are better at specifics than me. But, uh, the master course, I'm unaware of anything else out there that's like, it. so, uh, And I hope somebody uh, improves upon it one of these days as well. Sounds great. Thank you so much for
0: being on the air.
1: Not a problem. As always, Jake, train hard
0: and be well. And you too.